welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Hello, and welcome to this month's installment of Side Alpha Leadership. It's March 2020. Uh, I'm your host, David Polikoff. Today, I've got a, a friend of mine, a co-worker, works for uh, is a lieutenant in the um, career lieutenant in the uh, Washington metropolitan area, Shelly Wheeler. I've known her for about seven or eight years. Um, she's currently working on her degree in uh, business leadership, or she'll explain that a little more into detail. Um, and today, we're going to talk a little bit about fire service communication. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, leadership, mentoring, and wherever it takes us, whatever rabbit hole takes us down. So without talking over and over and over, Shelly, welcome. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to get the opportunity to talk about something I'm very passionate about, and that's leadership. Um, a little bit about myself, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a career lieutenant, uh, but I'll get a little more specific. I'm a career lieutenant with Montgomery County Fire Rescue. I have been with them for 18 years, and the last eight years has been as a lieutenant. Uh, prior to the fire service, I was in the Coast Guard for four years, and I was a what's referred to as a bosun mate, second class. A lot of responsibilities that came along with that, from uh, running my own duty section to running the station when the uh, commanding officer wasn't there. Um, there's just a lot of uh, leadership that goes along with that role. It's known as the command enlisted rate in the Coast Guard, which means bosun mates are usually leading stations, boats, you name it. It's just one of those roles where uh, leadership is very important. Um, prior to that, I was a waitress and going to school, and I bring that up because I feel like in some way, shape, or form, my entire life has been devoted to service. And I started thinking about that at one point, and I realized how passionate I was about leadership and how important leadership was. And, and I really just started thinking, hey, time to go back to school. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do at the time. Um, I figured, eh, I'll start with Homeland Security and Emergency Management. Made sense because of my background is in the fire department, in the Coast Guard. I also have a background with Maryland Task Force 1, which is our local FEMA team, and I'm part of Technical Rescue uh, in Montgomery County. So all those things seem to mesh together. But I noticed really quickly, and you may notice that in your schoolwork too, that leadership always has a place somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's in everything that we do from our relationships, uh, personal relationships to raising our kids. It's, It's there. So I decided to go on to a master's in business administration in organizational leadership. Uh, It's this whole specialty portion that goes on with it. I loved that. I loved what I was learning, getting deeper into into relationships um, and how they affect leadership. And everything started coming together very holistically for me. And I started realizing that leadership is this big thing. Um, and And then I started to understand why I thought it was appeared complicated, but there's so much more simple ways to it. So I've decided not to stop there, and I went into my doctorate in business administration, which is a focus on taking an expert look at uh, issues within organizations. So I really like that idea of being able to look and see if a problem exists, and if it did, how can, how can I fix that and make that better? And so from there, I've finished my coursework, and I'm currently working on dissertation. Um, 
which the term is I'm a doctoral candidate, so I'm working on my dissertation, and I'm focusing on effective leadership in the fire service. So at this point, I'm uh, halfway through my dissertation, and it's been a really interesting process, and I continuously learn more every day. There's always something new popping up about leadership. Right. And, you know, I'm always falling down some rabbit hole or another <clears throat> chasing it. Right. And I know when you and I talked, we, you had said that there was like, you know, when we first talked, I said, oh, yeah, leadership, you know, there's like four or five styles. And you kind of laughed and said there's like 65 styles and it's constantly growing. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's go back to um, you were a waitress before entering the Coast Guard or both? Uh, before. Okay. So you enlisted in the Coast Guard because you didn't want to be a professional waitress. I get that. Um <laughs> What did you learn in the Coast Guard? You know, I know any military organization, you are they, they, you are learning leadership whether you know it or not. And as you move forward in the ranks, you're going to be taking on more and more responsibility. So what did you learn leadership-wise that you found can cross over into what you're doing now in the fire service? And, and is there a is there a, a clear path? Is it kind of muddy, or can you can you kind of cobble it together and, and use it um, in the fire service based on what you learned in the military and, and whatnot? Uh, good questions, and I'll start with this. Um, it can definitely blend together. Uh, it can overflow, and the reason why uh, there's a lot of studies out there that support this. Uh, a lot of my research has supported it. I feel like my experience has supported it. Um, Kuzas and Posner, the seminal authors, they've researched leadership for over 30 years, and they have some really great work. So what they say and what a lot of other research says is, although the context of leadership has changed, we'll just talk over the last 30 years, although the context has changed, the content has not. So what that means is the context slightly changes from organization to organization, from the Coast Guard to the fire service to... A, a business somewhere, the context changes because we view different traits and behaviors as, as what are important to us that accomplish our shared visions or goals or aspirations, who we are as a culture. So that just changes a little bit. If you don't get in the weeds with that and you buy into the next level, like for instance, me leaving the Coast Guard and going into the fire service, I went through the fire academy and the, the values were a little different. They kind of paralleled the Coast Guard, but then they were just a little different. But to me, leading was the same. Mm -hmm. Leading comes down to what a lot of modern theory proves and a lot of research proves that leadership is a relationship. And it's a two-way relationship mm -hmm. between a leader and a follower. Uh, I'll try not to get too in, we in the weeds about what I, how I feel about following uh, a lot of research, a lot of authors, a lot of people try to make following sound like a terrible idea. I mean, you can't be a leader if you don't have a follower. Exactly. Right. And so I kind of created this idea of a leader-follower continuum. Mm -hmm. And we have, to learn to lead. we have to learn to follow before we truly learn to lead. And so I refer that back to something called humility, which mm -hmm. is important. It's, it's always somewhere in an organizational context of a top trait or behavior, whatever you want to call it, but humility is always there. And what is the best way to learn humility than to learn how to follow others, mm -hmm. regardless of, of rank, time on the job, or any of those things? We have to be able to do that. So now I'll go back to the Coast Guard and, and, and talking about boot camp and maybe try to give you an idea of how they're similar 
but different as going through the academy at the fire service. So when I went to boot camp, I was away from my family. I can't even remember how many weeks it was. Now. Right. Total shutdown from my family. It was a total indulgence of the U.S. Coast Guard culture. That was it. And the people that I was with, I had to learn to get things done with. I had to learn to, in tight spaces, have mutual respect for them. We had to establish relationships so we could succeed as a team. Now, you know, we're running for those phone calls when four or five weeks in you get to call your family for the first time. Let's forward to the fire service, and I hope I'm not getting too confusing mm -hmm. here. When I went to the fire service, the academy for the fire service, I go five days a week from 0700 to 1700. Sure, I'm getting a little bit of that culture in there. I'm, I'm accepting a little bit of it. I'm, I'm learning to forge these relationships with my classmates, mm -hmm. but not on the same level as I did in the Coast Guard of total dependence. <clears throat> right. Now, we can't really help this as the fire service. I'm, I'm not saying it's a negative thing. It's the best thing that we have, and it does build something. Mm -hmm. But for me, what I have taken from the Coast Guard all these years later, the three things I always remember is honor, respect, and devotion to duty. That has followed over to me in the fire service. And while you know, we talk about values and everything in the fire service, I just honestly feel that that deep order of fulfillment was in the Coast Guard because... Right. I lived it and shared it with this group of people. Now, what I found in the fire service is that grows over years within our culture and sure. being in firehouses and, and developing relationships. So I think for me, that's, that's how we can, you know, kind of piece them together right. where they're the same but yet a little different. Right. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, and I know, you know, talking with other the people that have been through, uh, you know, some type of military-style uh, uh, basic training or boot camp – you're living with those people, you're showering with them, you're eating with them, you're sleeping with them, you're doing all the things that you're learning, you're with them 24-7, three, not 365, but 24-7. Um, with the fire service, you're doing the five days a week, and at 1,700 hours, you go home, and you're detached from the people that you're with until you come back the next day. And you're kind of, you're learning more of how to work as a team because um, I, I do teach. I am an instructor up there. So you're learning to work as a team um, with different cultures, with different attitudes, with different age groups. Um, I know the one thing with the military is most people that go into boot camp are roughly the same age. Where in the fire service, you could have somebody who's 50 years old going through the fire service for the first time. So there's, a, there's a, an age gap, but it really starts to hit home, like you said, when you finally get your station assignment. And then that's your second family, basically. A third of your life you're spending with those five to ten people um, 24 hours a day. And that's where you start building those bonds and start working off each other and understand each other's idiosyncrasies and differences and things like that. And, and I, I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I think that's wh what you're saying. Um, whereas in the military, you're, you're getting that right away. That's being front-loaded right away. And then you mm -hmm. take that with you wherever you mm -hmm. go, wherever you're posted. Yes, and that's not to say that the military is perfect because wherever you go and wherever you're posted, you nailed it uh, with the fire academy uh, analogy of you may have someone in there that's 50 years old and someone that's 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And that, that creates some difficulties, let's face it. So, you know, you come out of, we'll say, Coast Guard boot camp, and then you go to your first duty station, and it's filled with a bunch of individuals with different backgrounds, different thoughts on how they 
view things, different time, different amounts of time on the job. So you got the salty guy or gal, and mm-hmm. then you got the one who's the newer person that's more up on, hey, we need to be nice to each other, however you want to look at it. And so we are constantly going to find that in any organization that we're in, fire service, military, business, it doesn't matter because people are different, which is why the context of leadership can change Mm -hmm. from a culture, but the content of what people want remains the same. And that content is a relationship, mutual respect. Mm -hmm. Um, And I might uh, digress a little bit here, but what I find it interesting is we talk about our families, our significant others, what human beings are. We are um, cultural creatures, right? We, we are used to forming relationships and making communities. Mm-hmm. And we do that, and we do that in our families, and we do it with our kids. But somehow when we get to work, we tend to think we don't need to have a relationship with the people that we work with, that we can just lead with an iron fist and a hierarchy. Right. Hierarchy is important, especially in our job, because mm-hmm. we have to keep people safe. But that does not mean that a relationship can exist. Right. I think um, it's changed. You know, when I got hired uh, a couple of years ago on the job, um, when I came in as an 18-year-old kid, um, I'm working with guys that are 11, 12, 13 years older than I am. And what I found is that it was a second family it was immediate that we all even though we were all different we came from different backgrounds on our days off we went and did stuff together you know a lot of the guys were into nascar races some weren't but we all went to a nascar race we rented uh, fishing boats we all went fishing some of us were into fishing we weren't so it was it was a, a true second family culture and i know it does happen uh in some stations but i don't think it's like it used to be um i think that uh you know i think i think my personal feeling is once we got into this technology age, it kind of took away some of that uh, dependency of the guys and gals that we work with as, as our second family as to we can go to work and and be with those people and, and pal around with them at work. And then when we go home, it's it's two separate things. And it was never like that for me. So for me, it was hard to adjust to that. Um, I like to uh, keep uh, tabs or keep in touch with uh, the people that I work with on shift um, you're not seeing that like like we used to, but um, not to to go off on a different direction. I think that uh, if we could get back to that, you know, we'll talk about communication in a few minutes. If we could get back to that whole uh, understanding each other's culture, but also understanding that we need to build these relationships in the fire service. I know when the bells go off, all thing all cards are on the table, and we are all working towards the same mission and it doesn't matter what background or religion or sex or, or whatever you are we're one team uh, to to go towards one goal but then when we get back into the station we kind of go off in our own direction and it was never like that you know back in the day um, for me so that's been kind of an adjustment right and what you're uh, talking about is very true and it's a very important point when we talk about this whole thing so when we talk about culture we're just not talking about uh, individual differences or diversity or any of these things we're talking about um, I like to think of we'll just talk specifically to organizational culture um, and how our organizational culture handles and responds to things uh, these situations in the firehouse relationships and, and such and you brought up a great point that 
talking about organizational culture of when you came in and looking at organizational culture now, it's different, mm -hmm. and why? And you bring up a great point about electronics in the digital age. Um, it brings us to our next point of generational gaps it, that really tend to make a difference, and if we don't bridge those gaps, they get far away from us. And also, uh, you know, the invent of the Internet <laughs> did, did a lot of things. It, it changed culture of communities and, and change cultures all around the world and, and how people react and, and adapt to things. And there's there's just so much to that element of it. That's why it's difficult for me to talk about effective leadership without addressing the issues associated with different cultures because we just view things a little different. Right. And I think that's where the younger generation is now. Um, we talk about, you know, we hear a lot, and, and we've all been there, and every generation does it. It's like, oh, well, back in my day, you know, and we talk about what they define as a group of people now called millennials, and we tend to get trapped into that, uh, what would you call it, that title or whatever that right. they assign to them. And interestingly, when I look at that, the millennial generation, it depends on what you read, but they were putting them from as you know a certain time frame that they were born and from the ages of 22 to 35. It's a broad age. Yeah, and think about how different you are as 22, and then you uh, get married and you have kids, and and uh, and then at 35, how much more mature you become. So it, it's kind of unfair, and you can understand why people get frustrated. But I think that frustration comes from all sides because we don't understand where they're coming from and they don't understand where we're coming from, but we can fix that with communication. Absolutely. Now, we're going to talk about millennials in a second. Because oh, I'm sorry. It, no, no, no. It's a good topic because I like to talk about that. Uh, one of the things I want to hit is, you know, when I got hired in the fire service, we didn't have the Internet. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you guys how old I am. But um, what I found and what I've learned um, over time, maybe I'm getting a little more mature. My wife would probably disagree, but uh, – <laughs> when we wanted to know something, we talked to each other. Hey, what do you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, what do you hear? And this and that. Now, if you want to know something, you just get on your phone. And there's that lack of communication, that direct contact of, of what do you do. Guys that know me, when I come into the firehouse, the first thing I'll say is, what kind of rumors you all hear? What do you all hear? It's the first thing I ask. Because I want to engage in a conversation, whether they know what I'm doing or not. You know, I'm letting my secrets out. But uh, <laughs> I do that when I walk in because I want to talk to these guys one-on-one. -on -one. And, and uh, to hear what they have to say, they're, they're putting their phones down, they're not on the computer, they're not watching TV, and then we just kind of start talking about stuff. And uh, I find that uh, I, I really enjoy doing that. And I've told people, I said, you want to talk about firefighting stuff, you'll not get rid of me. I'll sit at the kitchen table all day. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that the, the age of electronics is a double-edged sword. You know, everything in the world that we want is at our fingertips now. Anything that we want to know, you know, I can ask, Alexa or Google, you know, something, how to spell a word, and she's going to spell it out for me um, and do math problems for my kids' homework. But when I first came in, we, we had TV, and that was it. And uh, we had MTV, actually, when they played music. Um, so we would be able to talk to each other when we wanted to find out stuff that was going on. And then when the battalion chief would show up, we, he would talk to us and tell us what's going on because we had no idea what was going on. We didn't have email. You know, we had to wait for something to come in the interdepartment mail, like a Xerox copied piece of paper uh, that told us what the new rule is. Um, moving forward with, with a little bit about millennials, and, and it's one of the things that I try to 
talk about a lot with people. When people talk about, you know, these millennials, they don't get it and this and that. And I, I tell them, I said, it's, it's more of you have to think about where they're coming from, what they're used to. They're used to having things in their hand to be able to find out all the information, to know the why. And I know you and I have talked about this before and, and to, to not oversimplify it. I find that when you tell people why you want things done, why things are the way they are, why things are done the way they are, you give them all that information, you preload that information, they're never going to ask you questions about it ever again because they'll know. Um, and I say you got to pre-front the reason why we do things so they're not asking those questions on the fire ground. Um, I find that, that they're no different than, than I was when I was 18 years old because the older people that were there were looking at me like, oh, this is an 18-year-old kid, you know. <laughs> and now, right. you know, when you move forward and you got 18-year-olds that are coming out now, they're just different. But uh, they, they crave to have that information. They want to know all of it. They want to know the outcome right off the get-go. Is, are you finding that? Am I, am I right? Am I sort of in the ballpark? Um, I, I think you all are in the ballpark. And again, you know, we can go back to generational changes because the generational changes are a result of cultural changes over everything that we see. And we have so much information at our fingertips. People are just coming up with different perspectives day by day. And, and they have these different thought processes and everything. And really the best way to get people on board is, is to engage them, mm -hmm. is to tell them why, is to, uh, and it goes right back to that communication thing. Um, when you tell people why they have to do the job, we feel nowadays we're like, we shouldn't have to. You see this rank right here, this is why. But that's mm -hmm. that's not, that's a detriment to us in one very um, specific way, and that's decision making. Mm -hmm. If we don't tell people why, we are not only not creating future leaders, we're also failing to give people the ability to make decisions. Right. Giving It is nice to have a little shortcut list of what to do and, and the how-tos and the acronyms, but it has to go deeper than that so people really understand why they are doing what they are doing. So when they make a mistake or whatever, they understand really that mistake more, can correct it and move on and just make better and better decisions. Decision-making is like leadership. Mm -hmm. It's developmental. We have to learn to crawl before we learn to walk, before we learn to run. Everything we do as we learn in life, that's the way that it goes. People could argue that, but I don't know how you can argue that something is just a, a basic building block to the next thing. And when we talk about decision-making, and, and I've talked to a lot of people in the field, and uh, you know, I ask them, you know, why, why are people afraid to make decisions in, on, in the in general, in the fire service, and you know, the number one answer I always hear is, oh, they're afraid they're going to get in trouble, and then I go down that hole. Who's getting in trouble? Tell me who's getting in trouble. You know, throw me in a for instance, and they don't have anything. So, why do you think that we have an issue in our fire service of, of people afraid to make decisions? Um, it can't be because they're afraid to get in trouble. Is it because we didn't teach them how to make decisions? We don't have, you know, for lack of a better word, a decision model, a decision tree or whatever. You know, I, th I think we're missing the boat with some leadership training um, early on. That's something that I've talked about quite a bit. But why, why do you think that uh, we're, people are kind of shy? Not all, but some people are kind of shy at making decisions. Um, I think... And I don't know if it's part of a uh, fire service culture or maybe an organi overall organizational culture at all. I would, I would bet that it's in every organization. I, I've seen it happen in the Coast Guard. Uh, the people are afraid to make decisions because they're they're un they're un they're really unsure 
of what they're supposed to do. And, and as you move up in roles, it becomes uncomfortable to, to make a decision that you've never made before. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we make better decisions? How do we make more confident people, right? And so, again, we have to, we have to build them up to it. It can't be, um, I've been in the department for six years, and now I'm going to make lieutenant. Now I have to learn leadership. Mm-hmm. Now I have to learn to make decisions. That should be something that starts at the very beginning of our career in the academy, which it informally does. But I, I, would, I would say that we need to make it more formal. Um, so we go into this thing. A lot of leadership theories fall apart because they don't cover the followership portion. So they created this thing called the theory of followership. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really neat and it makes a lot of sense because people do have to learn to follow. And learning to follow doesn't mean I just give you this little A, B, C, D, E approach. It's understanding why, like we talked about earlier, why do I have to follow? Why is it important for me to follow my lieutenant should I follow my lieutenant blindly you know or are we using crew resource management Um, and you know we talk about a lot of these things but if I equate back to the Coast Guard when we talked crew resource management when we talked leadership we had formal training on it Mm -hmm. you know and and that seems to be something as I go through uh, all the research out there there's not a lot of research in effective leadership in the fire department or or uh leadership development it's all over the place because it it almost seems new even though we've been doing it since the beginning of time i, I find it's very subjective it depends on who's writing that book at that time and uh, i haven't read any fire service leadership books by any specific authors mm-hmm. only because they're all over the place like you said it's just it's not you know where I, where I can go take the army doctrine on leadership or whatever and that's the same for the 500,000 army dudes that are out running around, the training is the same. Um, and so I think that was my point to you when you talk about how we can align it with um, military. Mm-hmm. And and I, I said, oh, yeah, I understand that, but we don't we don't need to per se. We, and, and we don't need to align it to business per se because my point goes back to it's the context that changes. So the fire service can just be the fire service and say, who are we? Who are our core operating? What are our core operating values? Not just like three words, but what are they really? How do we spell that out? And we have an opportunity to spell that out for people and spell it out from the beginning and then teach it right. and learn it and recite it and live it every day. And and you, you can't give people too much. It has to start somewhere right. and then build a little bit and build a little it, bit. It can't be a five-day class. No, it has to be ongoing. It's got to so be a career. I would argue that by the time you're a, a officer, a lieutenant, you should have already had a decent amount of what leadership training is, not autocratic, democratic, or any of that. That's, that's the, the main three that only everybody knows. Exactly. Right. It's, it's very broad, and it doesn't explain everything. And when we have to explain the, we have to explain the why, because leadership is this whole complex thing. It takes all 65 theories to even start to explain it. Mm-hmm. But when we make it simple, it's a relationship. And what's it take to have a relationship? good active listening, and good two-way communication. So why not start there? Right. And then when we become lieutenants, then we start talking about better decision-making uh, uh, things. Um, uh, really, 
exercises where we write who we are as a leader and then talk to our peers and other people and see their perspective and understand that there's, at that point we should be understanding that there's different perspectives, but let's not rely on one because it won't work because every person is an individual. So we have to constantly adapt our style, our, our traits and behaviors a little bit to meet that person that we're leading and make them willing to follow us. Right. I mean, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's we, – we talked a little bit about, you know, with the ranks and how much time we have. And do you think that, that we can move, we, we move through the ranks a little too quickly or have that opportunity to move through the ranks a little too quickly before grasping what things that we need in order to be good leaders? I, I personally think so because – only because right now we don't have what we just talked about. Right. We don't have that skill building in place. Um, and and we can't keep holding off of, well, what traits, what behaviors, whatever. There's, there's a lot out there that tells us. Mm-hmm. And so my particular dissertation on effective leadership in the fire service focuses around Kuzes and Posner who have 30 years of research that say, hey, these are the five practices. This is why we can see it. We can see it aligning with the top traits or behaviors that organizations of all types and sizes around six six continents around the world all say, this is it. These are the things. They might change the rating, but this is it. So there's a lot of good research, if we know where to look at, that's out there that can start to allow us to develop that early on and give it to people early on. So I don't want to get too far away from the question. If we have that in the beginning and we're starting to build people and they understand what it means to lead and what it understand what you know what it means to follow and and a general idea how we get there, let's face it, mentoring, coaching, time and experience are the things that are really going to make you a better leader. Mm-hmm. But you got to understand why, too. You can't just say, hey, you have to have humility. Okay, humility. What's humility? Humility is doing the right thing when even when no one's looking. Okay, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. It seems untangible. So you create it in the behavior. You create it in, in the academy. You know, you know, what's our number one goal? Humility. Sounds kind of hokey, but that's why we went around in boot camp yelling things and, right. and saying things and took me two weeks to realize what eyes in the boat meant. Right. Eyes in the boat. Eyes in the boat. Well, it meant that you have to keep your eyes in the boat looking all times at 360. Everyone takes responsibility for that boat navigating safely and and not to take your focus off of what's important, right. basically. And so it's little things like that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And to me, that's... <coughs> That's if we start there, we we may be okay promoting a little faster. But mm-hmm. right now, I personally feel that we're moving so fast that you go from, um, for instance, for us, we can go from fire three to lieutenant. It may work for some people depending on their background. Mm-hmm. They may have run a business. They may have been in the military. They may have that experience. But we don't know. Right. And and so it works well for some and not others. Right. I think that. Uh if we had something in place, and this is what I had said to my old supervisor, you know, I think that we need to start cat- catching these people at between the fire two, fire three level and start giving them some introduction to some leadership and decision making courses and uh, communications and things like that. Something that's a little out of the box for the fire service, but but being able to kind of front load some of that knowledge so as mm-hmm. they move forward, they kind of have that. Um, 
that background. So when they go from fire three to master, master lieutenant, or fire three to lieutenant, it's not foreign to them. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And and you know that's kind of where a lot, this whole podcast started, and that's kind of you know the stuff that I went out and talked to people. Uh, asking about their attributes and what they're looking for in a leadership to be able to actually uh, say, you know, what do you think we should have in order to move forward? And I think going riding backwards on a fire engine or, or driving an ambulance to ride in the front seat making life or death critical decisions uh, one day to the next without having any of that training uh, behind you or that, that knowledge is uh, – I don't want to say dangerous, but I want to say that uh, at, at best, it's it's. Uh, I think that it gets a little overwhelming, and maybe that's why they're afraid to make decisions because they haven't been taught how to. Um, it's not that they're not going to get in trouble because nobody's getting in trouble. That I that I do know. Right. Um, so, what if you had to de- design? I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you had Uh-oh. to design <laughs> a leadership relationship communication, the whole put the whole package together class. Um, for the fire service in order to get that um, knowledge base uh, to move forward in the ranks, what would it consist of? What would you, if you had to put like, uh, you know, your objectives, your five bullet point objectives, what would you talk about in this particular class? And see, and, and the, the 10 or 12 people that are listening to this podcast right now <laughs> might write this down saying, hey, I can start a class and these are the five things that, that we have to do. And then they can say, you know, hey, hey, Alexis, what is this? You know, and then they can write that definition down. But what would your your bulleted points be if you had to, do, if you were going to develop a class in order to teach basic traits and leadership and communication and all that stuff to be able to start moving forward so if we're talking about just a singular class because really i would never create it it would have to be a class as in say let's say it's a 24 hours so we're looking at a four to six day class or maybe it's a 30 hour class you know maybe it's a 10 day class oh my gosh i could put so much in there sure (laughs) that gets me excited but uh, one of the parts I always feel I got to start with, and some people are like, we don't need to hear theory. We, we don't need, and they're right. We don't need to get heavy into what theory is, but we need to understand what is this thing called leadership? And it has to start there. And everything starts well. Uh, even in boot camp, we went back, we had to know our Coast Guard history. Uh, even in, in the academy, we learned our fire service history. You know, um, and so everything starts there so we know why. So I would start with a brief explanation of there's all these theories out there um, of all the theories, but really all it comes down to is that leadership is a relational process. Um, there, there's certain traits, skills, and behaviors that leaders need, and it's going to be driven by your organizational culture. Of course, a lot of them stay the same. So I think I would talk about what is leadership, you know, why why so many theories? That's a quick explanation. Mm-hmm. Why so many theories? Because they're trying to explain all that it is, and each individual theory just explains a piece of it. So I think we would talk about that. Uh, we There would be, it would be very um, interactive. So it would consist of who am I as a leader? You know, who was your favorite, who was your favorite leader that you can think of? Now let's talk about it. What do all those people have in common and of everyone in the class? You know, what are the common traits? Let people see it for themselves. Uh, we have to talk about followership and what that means. We have to talk about what leadership means. And we need to really figure out a way to align it what leadership means to our organization, mm-hmm. which means we have to agree on that. 
or we can just go with the general context. Um, books and everything are great, but a lot of these books are written by the perspective of the leader that says, hey, I did a great job as a leader. Um, and they have these varying backgrounds, and people love it. Generals write books. Oh, yeah, they, he was in this major, he ran this major war campaign, and he was successful. Well, that's great, and he may be a great leader. He or she may be a great leader, but it doesn't really, they weren't doing that alone. It took a team. Right. So teamwork is a very important element. Um, and again, communication skills. Two, good two-way communication. What is two-way communication, first off? And then active listening. What is active listening? I mean, what would you say if I asked you, what's more important, active listening or good two-way communication? I think it'd have to be an equal part of both. Yeah, it, it would, but if we don't listen You're to, never going to be able you're to, never gonna be you able know, communicate. To. And so there's, there's so many things out there. It, it's hard on the spot because I actually put a program... Uh, together on my own just because do you know to go back to that question any guy you ask what's more important listening or talking <laughs> the guy's gonna get it wrong every time no, you know what you guys <laughs> would say huh <laughs> right <laughs> did you say something <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, so i hope i didn't get off too much of no, a because no, there's, no, no. there's so much but there's we you know we just have to say hey these are the traits these are these are skills that build relationships and even if we just keep it simple to relationships, but I guess a lot of people would have to believe that leadership is a relationship, and I feel like I could prove that many times over. Sure. I think that, uh, you know, in, in that class, and we're going to talk about your, your, your upcoming class that you're going to be teaching, um, that, I, that we're going to be doing, well, not really doing it together, but we're going to be there together. Um, when it comes to um, your activities and things like that, that, that you would do for your class, that would probably make that class a lot more up and moving around and doing stuff. And, and uh, I think it would make the class a lot uh, more easy to digest because most firemen just don't want to sit around and, mm-hmm. you know, behind a table uh, listening to somebody talk for, for eight hours or whatever, but to be able to actually have activities and things like that. Um, one of the things that I did, I did a very informal, uh, went around to some shifts and just talked about the attributes, you know, what they thought of what a good leader is. And, and I knew what I was going to come away with. And I was, I wasn't surprised, but it was really neat to actually be able to highlight and see that, you know, between all the different shifts and the different stations and, and the different battalions and the different parts of the county, they all were saying the same thing, what they think a leader should have. And I think that that's like, golden information because here's the people that are your followers supposed to be the followers uh this is what i'm looking for and i think that uh, we we put that out there saying like here's what it is now you need to figure out how to do that how to define that and i think that's where your class would come in to play would be uh you know i'm going to talk about all these different things of how what this means what the definition of this is Mm -hmm. um and you said you, you had already come up with, with, with a class. So talk about that a little bit, what you came up with. So what I came up with is kind of what I just went uh, down some of the bulleted points with. Uh, I had an opportunity through um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, uh, Tracy Coleman. Uh, she created a, a really great mentoring program uh, for our department. And I had just been putting this thing together, and I reached out to her, and I said, you can have it. And she's like, mm, no, I think you should give it. Right. And it was a lot at first. Uh, I taught it to over 30 captains, different backgrounds, you know, different levels of experience. And I really did get into, it was almost like an experiment for me. 
It's like, it's, it's, this is what leadership is. This is the history of the leadership. Here's the theories. Here's some theories that seem to match with what we do based on my experience as a, a, as a firefighter of 18 years and as an officer. Uh, we talked about that. Then we got into each section was broken up into some kind of activity to reinforce it. So it wasn't too much. Mm-hmm. I still think looking back on it, it was a lot for them. And so I've really curtailed it down now. But um, we talk about, I talked about things in there like uh, uh, motivation theory. And motivation theory is so important because when we talk about followership, which is a big piece of information that's missing in a lot of the uh the leadership theories out there. You know, it takes two. It takes a leader and follower always. Um, So we got into some motivational theory. We got into a talk on, you know, what does this millennial thing mean? And we, as leaders, we have to put all that aside and just lead people. Mm -hmm. Of course we get frustrated. We're human beings. The human element is what makes leadership hard, just like the relationship of the element. You know, <laughs> between uh, when I'm talking to my husband, I'm saying the same thing that he's saying. He's saying it completely differently. And some days we work through it, and some days I'm like, I'm done talking to you. Right. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we talk about uh, in that class about how to build skills. We talk about active listening and communication, and then we do exercises on it. Uh, we do a lot of feedback with each other because that's really how we learned to be a better leader. You know, I'm in a room full of 30 captains that I respect. They were truly engaged in it, and and they were having fun with it. And the neat thing I found by the time I was done <laughs> was we, in, in at least in Montgomery County, that's all I can speak of, the same uh, theories kept popping up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should lead by a theory, but I think we should understand that there's all different kind of ways to lead. And the servant approach, the transformational approach, the adaptive approach, the situational approach, they all came up, which, duh, because that's leadership. Mm-hmm. We have to adapt to the situation. You know, we have to put others before us, the servant approach. We have to develop the people, you know, our, our, our firefighters out there to be better and be better decision makers. Transformational leadership. We're transforming them from one point to the next. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really neat how that all came together. And it was just uh, a little bit of lecture and um, a, a lot of exercises and feedback and talking in class. And a lot of the things I put together was to still enhance active listening and communication through collaboration in each group. So everything had this holistic focus on it, whether people saw it or not. So we got a little bit of everything. Right. I, I like, um, there's a couple things that you said that... Uh, you know, the first thing is that, you know, you talk about they need to understand what the different styles of leadership that are out there. And, and you know, there's more than, than three. But if I was to ask anybody in the fire service, what are the three styles of leadership? They're going to say autocratic, democratic, laissez-faire. They're going to say it right away. If you know that, then why wouldn't you want to know the other stuff that's out there? Because you just can't put everybody in these three boxes. Right. You know, they, they all work. Those three work for different things, but there's so much more of it's out there that um, you, you can be more well-rounded. Instead of just these three, you can, you know, figure out the other things because not everybody's going to fit into that type of, of leadership or not every situation is going to call for that. The other thing that you said, you know, I found interesting, and you know, my wife says it all the time. She says, we don't argue. A lot of times we're saying the same thing just differently, and we get mm-hmm. mad at each other because we're not we're not – Connecting the dots that we're both saying the exactly. same thing, but um, so I think that that's important too, and that's where the whole that that listening comes in. Of let me hear what you have to say, let me hear everything that you're saying, and then be 
humble enough to say, I don't understand what you're saying. Please explain it simpler for me. You know, I'm not getting it. And then, uh, and then you might, you have that aha moment. It's like, Oh, well, that's what I'm saying, except I'm saying it differently type of thing. Um, but I think that, uh, you have to, to kind of come off of what you're saying is, is knowing that there's more than just X, Y, and Z to leadership. It's a very big, uh, area and to be able the more you know about it the better you're going to be when it comes time to deal with people and make mm-hmm. decisions um with the class that you did now you know i heard some feedback about it. some of the people that said like wow it was really you know way up here you know type of stuff and you know some of some of it was really over my head and uh and i and i and I said, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know what you had. I said, but th- it's a good starting point because then you can start saying, all right, how can I whittle it down mm-hmm. so that everybody is engaged now and I'm getting everybody, you know, involved. And, and it, it took me a long time with, with teaching classes. You know, like you're really passionate about something and you're doing a PowerPoint and you're putting, a, you're developing a program. And then you have to look at it and say, okay, if I'm up here with this truck company operations or rescue mm-hmm. or whatever, and I'm only talking to these people that, have 20 years on the job what about the guy that's got three years on the job that wants to learn something he's lost right so you got to bring it down to an area where i'm hitting the lowest person and then i can bring everybody up at the same time and that's difficult to do but i think that uh you know i know you're onto it because i've seen what your program looks like now um let's talk a little bit about for the next 15 minutes so you're uh what your future plans are, you know, what you, you know, you told me you're going for your doctorate, and I said your husband probably said, well, no, once you get the degree, you better do something with it type of deal. It's like you know him. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. I'm going back to school, and I'm totally taking a, a different approach to my education, and, you know, I'm going back for organizational leadership, and my wife asked me, she says, what are you going to do with it? And I said, I don't know. I said, if I, if I could do something, it would be along the lines of what you had talked about earlier, is to be able to go into, like, this Fortune 500 company that just can't get something going and to say all right let me analyze it from from all the things that i learned in the fire service and from emergency stuff and everything and take a look at it are you overcomplicating it and then fix it or at least put them on a direction to to fix it or say this is what i would do and whether they use it or not you're still paying me type of deal but uh, i think that that would be pretty exciting to be able to help somebody else outside of the fire service uh figure out you know what's not working and then what would be even more satisfying is getting that call back saying working right um so i know that that that's one of the things that you had talked about so tell me what your future plans are you know obviously you're going to continue with the fire service but where are you going to go with this and then we're going to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing up in harrisburg okay yeah so uh, where i know i'm going to go with this is ongoing research Um, research builds off of research but which builds off of research we never stop knowing the more i learn the more i realize i don't know Mm -hmm. and the more i want to keep going Um, i see myself as a consultant going around to any kind of organization of type or size, mm-hmm. and assessing their situation. Uh, uniquely, I think what I've developed for myself is I have that military background, I have that fire service background, and I have that business background. And I feel uh, my um, chair, the, the man who supports me through writing my dissertation, he and I had a conversation today, and he he just said, I really like how you can put it all together. This is going to be important because when we look at literature, it's, it's sectional. Mm-hmm. It's like fire service, military, business. And it's, it's really not. It, with, not with leadership. 
And then I have an understanding of the organizational alignment, uh, organizational management, organizational redesign. So I want to put it together in a holistic approach of being able to not only go in and say, hey, here's a leadership program, or here's what I think you need, but to show it on paper of, are you happy with your organizational values and where you're at? Yes, we are. Okay, now let's build your leadership initiatives off of this. Or no, we're not happy with where this is at, so we need to revamp the whole program. Mm -hmm. That's where I see myself going with it. I see myself writing a book or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've already started, but I just write here and there, and I'm really focused on my dissertation. Um, And I just see doing what I've always wanted to do and help others. Right. I always wanted <clears throat> to be a fireman when I grow up. And that's right. That's that's what I said, fireman. It didn't matter to me, you know. Um, and It's a generic term. Like when you walk in and say, what's up, guys, exactly. whether there's women in there or not. it's Exactly. And it's what I've always wanted to do, and I don't know why. And I just continue to do things that serve others from raising my kids. You know, we forget how important and how much we give to raising our kids. And I, you know, I just want to take all those ideas and principles and values and and give them where I can and, mm-hmm. and help places become better. Hopefully, I mean, that, there would be nothing better than that. It's it's not about the money for me. Um, I'm not sure where my fire service career will go. I don't know how long I'll stay around. I love it. It's the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just find myself wanting more, and that has nothing to do with the department I work with or the fire service. I just want more. Sure. But I'm hoping this dissertation really starts to go out and help the fire service as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really interesting as I was trying to prove to, I have a reader who reads all my work as well, and he was, <laughs> he was prior army, and he just couldn't get where I was going with this fire service thing and, and, um, and you know, what it means. And, and I told him, I said, it's all these departments together all across, we'll just call the United States because it's really, you know, international, but mm-hmm. all across the United States that engage in these common actions, like firefighting activities. You know, I, I didn't even get into the EMS portion, everything else right. that we do. But <clears throat> um, that's kind of where I see myself going. I, I really help, uh, hope that I can help reshape the fire service and get them on the track of you know, we can just be the fire service. We don't have to be the military. We don't have to be business. We can we can have it all. But mm-hmm. let's decide who we are. I, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I've said a lot of times I like to see where the military and the fire service and the business world intersect. Oh, absolutely. And then where yeah. they intersect, is that a place where we can live? We can take a little bit from each of I those so. particular areas and then, you know, kind of meld that into um, – something that we can move forward with. And, and, you know, that's where I look at it is, as I take my experiences as, as in the fire service and the things that have happened to me and, and decision-making and, and problem-solving and things like that and, and to be able to look at, look at something where why isn't this working and look at it from a different angle and then offer those um, suggestions on, on this is something similar that happened to me or that I know that happened and this is how they worked through it. Um, how and, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, in the closing here. I know uh, you know I, we, we're we're going to be going up to Harrisburg, and I'm going to be doing my uh, command class. And then <clears throat> it was an eight-hour program, and it was funny because uh, the uh, the guy that runs it, Brian Bastinelli from uh, Harrisburg Fire Department, he's a battalion chief up there. I sent him a text message and saying, "Hey, you're going to have me teach up there or what?" You know, because <laughs> I had taught up there before, and he said, "Yeah." I said, "I got an eight-hour slot." 
And uh, and I said, I don't know eight hours worth of crap to talk about. I said, but <laughs> let me get right back to you. And that's when I called you up and said, hey, you know, would you be interested? And and, I, and uh, so you're doing the leadership class, which is called. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, the the funny thing is, I think I re- I've named it so many times. Right. I think I I recoined it for this class as effective fire service leadership. Yes. And you're doing the, the I'm doing the first four hours. You're doing the second four hours. Same class, you know, keep hopefully keeping the same people in there. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about – I'll talk about the incident command and how to track the incident and how to track your people and, 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 and uh, how to, you know, in a, in a sense, lead people into harm's way and have them perform, you know, how you want them to perform. And then you're going to come in and, and, and throw the theory behind it. This is how it's going to happen type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know – I don't know. This will be your first outside Teaching for fire service? Outside of Montgomery County. Uh, I'm actually delivering a leadership uh, presentation here next week Mm -hmm. uh, for NASBLA, which is the National Association of Safe Boating Law Administrators. Mm -hmm. Um, There'll be a lot of different first responders in there from police to fire rescue to the Coast Guard to Army, you name name it. These instructors teach on a national level for NASBLA boat programs, just different boat programs. And um, a good friend of mine, Dave Constantine, asked me, hey, why don't you just come put it together for me? You know, put it together for these guys. Um, so, you know, again, that's one of my favorite things to kind of adapt leadership to a, a, an audience. And so I'm just doing a quick down and dirty 45-minute presentation on, hey, this is what leadership is and this is why it's important. This is why it's so important to instructorship. Right. And uh, that's really my plan for the Art of Fireman, uh, Firemanship uh, presentation. I'm looking really forward. I've just heard great things about yeah, that well, yeah. anyway. Like, I just heard that it's outstanding. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing your presentation and, and kind of wrap it together. I, I've really learned how to, especially as I've learned more, really to break this down into a more simple approach. Even right. if we're talking about 65 theories, it's as simple as, yeah, there's 65 different theories out there. Collectively, they may give you the whole of leadership, right. but really it's a relationship. You have to have a leader. You have to have a follower. Right. And, and it's not necessarily watering down what you have. It's more of, of uh, presenting it so that everybody that's in that classroom Correct. is part of it. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that you'll find when you start teaching on the circuit for, you know, getting firefighters and, and chief officers in there specifically to hear, you know, some of them, some of them are just backstep firefighters. Some of them are instructors. Mm-hmm. Some of them are officers. So it's a, it's a wide array of people. And, and uh, you know, it took me a little while to learn that, you know, you got to tailor your your uh, presentation towards the whole audience because you don't want to leave anybody behind. You want everybody to right. walk out of there saying that ah, I really got something out of that. And um, you know, I saw your presentation, and I think it's going to be a, a hit because I think it's going to be something that people have never had before. Um, <clears throat> I've I've sat through some leadership classes at, at FDIC with some of my friends that were teaching it, and uh, they had a different approach of, of how they were doing. You know, bringing their leadership, but. Yours comes at it from more of a, of a scholarly type, uh, you know, from school as opposed to from riding the fire engine type thing um, and how it can all come in together. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that too. So be a long day, but it's going to be an interesting day to say the least. And, right. and uh, you know, we may have 80 people in there. We may have 20 people in there. Who knows? But uh, I think at the end of the day, there's, there's going to be a lot there to, uh, for people to, to get. Right. And to, uh, you know, kind of start you on your way of, you know, hey, you know, come here and you need to start network- networking right. with people. So I just don't want to scare people from when we use the word scholarly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not 
big words. It's not, it's just uh, a lot of stuff backed on research, but a lot of it is from my experience and my point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I insert something in that program called the five constants of leadership. And all that saying is leadership is constantly changing. So it takes the traits, skills, and behaviors of the leader, and they have to understand the follower behavior and what makes them follow. And they have to be able to be adaptable to that, to each situation and each person. And it comes down to five points that we have. If we always think of that and we think of a leader-follower continuum to you know, make sure we stay humble and in our thinking process, mm-hmm. I offer some quick down and dirty ideas too because I know how important it is to have some, an idea, a quick, a quick look at something and a way to refer it back. And so a lot of it, it's, it's not filled with big words or whatever, but it's filled with a lot of research. But still, a lot of it is from um, my experience in the fire service. And there will be a few, um, I think for it only being four hours, I'm going to have to cut it down some, but there will be some interactive activities, right. especially the most important ones. Um, and people will leave with their own leadership inventory where they can rate themselves if, if they want to and, you know, and go from there and, and just start gathering more tools in your toolbox to be a leader. That's what makes you better. Yeah, and I know your presentation will connect the dots between, um, you know, what you learned in school and what you've learned in the fire service, mm-hmm. and it all comes together. So it'll be – you'll be talking the same language as everybody else in that room. They'll, they'll understand what's, what's happening. You know, like when we talk about NIMS, everybody's eyes glaze over. But <laughs> yeah. it is part of, of the fire service, and I try to put it – I break it down into the most simplest terms so people don't get overloaded with NIMS, right. what it means to them. So. So we got about a couple minutes left. Is there anything you want to throw back out there? Uh, I just really appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you, give you my perspective on leadership. I mean, this <laughs> it's just a scratch on the surface for mm-hmm. me, but so is my education and learning and experience with this. I've, I'll be learning this my whole life. Sure. Um, and so I really appreciate, you, you know, the opportunity that you've given me to get out and talk about it. I hope people find it, this stuff relevant. And anyone's willing to, if, if they want to reach out to me and talk, I, I always love talking about this mm-hmm. stuff. And um, I could talk about it forever and ever, I suppose. You can give your social media stuff out there if that's how you want them to contact you. Feel free. Uh, right now. Um, or not. <laughs> I, well, no, I, I'm, I'm working on, I've always just had Facebook, so you can find me. It's Shelly Wheeler, just searching me on Facebook. Uh, and then I... That's really all I have right now. I haven't really gotten into the Twitter world or anything like that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm going to. I've been so busy with other things. I've thought about doing it. But um, I think we had talked about I'll be setting up my own consulting business here soon. And so I plan on uh, linking social media together with that. You almost have to. So Yeah. Well, Shelly, I appreciate you coming on here. I was uh, pretty excited to get you out here to get a, a different perspective of, uh, of leadership as p- part of the fire service, but as also part of what you've actually learned as you moved through school. So um, with that, we're going to close out here. Um, if you want to find out more information on uh, some of our past podcasts, uh, you can catch it at uh, any of the social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, Facebook, all side alpha leadership. Um, you can find me directly on uh, Twitter. Uh, through Side Alpha Leadership or through David Polikoff. Same thing with uh, with um, uh, Facebook as well as uh, Instagram. So with that, Shelly, thank you for coming. And uh, until next month, be safe. <laughs>